It's 4 o'clock on a Monday. Do you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! This week, featuring silly mistakes musicians make that can kill their careers. Yeah, even that gets applause on this show. Featuring special guest star, Elise Schiller. <laughs> She's already embarrassed to be Nice here. groove, Michael. Nice groove. Yeah, well, as I was telling Elise before we started the show, I searched far and wide to find that really awesome news theme. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Which is pretty cheesy, but we like it. Anyway, I'm going to tell you all about Elise. Um, she is a music industry veteran. Well, first of all, you and I met like four or five years ago, I think. Yeah. And I, re I, I remember calling you or emailing you saying, you know, I've known your name forever, yeah. but we have we have friends in common, but we've never met. Yeah. And then we went to lunch, and the rest is history, yeah. as they say. Um, <laughs> She's a veteran who's run the entire gamut, as for those of you who read the email know that. She's got 20 plus years experience in branding uh, as co-founder, composer of a custom music house and an electronic lifestyle label. She's produced unique sonic identities for dozens of broadcast entities, marketing campaigns, award-winning rebrands and launches, main title themes, and promo campaigns for clients that include, count them, this is just a short list. AMC, ABC Daytime, Disney, Columbia TriStar, E! Entertainment Television, Fox News, GSN, HBO, Family, Lionsgate, MGM Grand, Revlon, Quincy Jones, uh, Showtime, Sony Pictures, 20th Century, Fox Television, and more. Um, she also helped build out the sync licensing department at Angry Mob Music and jump-started the custom division for them. Uh, let's see. Oh. Going back here, um, angry, and she got angry mob artists in numerous high-profile TV shows and films for clients, including CBS, NBC, Fox, Showtime, Cinemax, ABC Family, AMC, USA, Sci-Fi, and Paramount Pictures. She was signed. Yes, the woman is not only a connoisseur of music, but she's been signed herself to Columbia Records, where she churned out dance floor hits. We're going to do a little... Yeah. Right? Later, um, with uh, with Chuck Fuller and producer Randy King Jackson of American Idol fame, Lisa's also an esteemed member of Taxi's A and R team and knows the common mistakes our members make that could be holding them back. We hope that's not you. So yeah, this lady's done it all. She's seen a lot. She's a great resource for helping you uncover any of those silly little mistakes that you might be making. And it says right here in bright yellow, "Don't forget this." Um, oh, before we get started. Hold on, I need a prop. <laughs> Not that prop. Not that prop. That prop. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget to click that subscribe button. You can click the like thing. Uh, you know what? The subscribe button for those of you who are watching the archive, it's down there in the lower right. Uh, yeah, that other corner, lower right hand corner. So click that sucker. Make us popular on YouTube. Um, Okay, let's get to some of the most common mistakes that Elise sees taxi members making and musicians in general making on their submissions, uh, mostly relative to sync, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah, because that's kind of the, the area we that we're living <laughs> yeah. in now, yeah, for that's sure. First, yeah, absolutely. So do yeah, you want to go down your list? And yeah, just I mean, I could definitely tell you the number one, um, I guess, mistake or, you know, thing to think about more really would be um, getting closer to the 
either production style or the genre that's being requested. Um, you know, a lot of times there will be things for like, say, urban pop, rap, like Lizzo or something. And then, you know, we'll get a lot of um, submissions that have um, kind of like a sort of an, a little bit of an old school kind of melodic feel of urban pop and then has no modern elements right. and no um, thought to the instrumentation palette or sonics that need to be in there when it's going to be something more modern. So, you know, a lot of times what people will say to us is, well, if you guys think it's kind of cool or it's kind of okay, why don't you forward it anyway to the industry person who's mm -hmm. looking? This yeah. is a great example. If we forwarded something just because, okay, it's got something that's a little urban and that's really the only touch right. point that it's right. got with the request, would they continue to work with us or would they think, yeah, no. those guys don't know what they're doing? No, I mean, we're definitely, it's, it's like to have these connections and to be pitching to these people, say at studio studios and music supervisors, they want to know that we are dialed in and that we're gonna be delivering things that are record quality. Because that's, um, in terms of, definitely in terms of um, artists, the artist world, when you're sending out songs and uh, it needs to be a premium sound. And, um, yeah. and, it, and so then also it needs, they need to feel like you're understanding them. You know, they've put those references there for a specific reason because many people have made that decision. Those references are the ones that are guiding them at that moment. And um, you, you have <laughs> I'm glad to, you put at that moment yeah, in their parents. because it changes. <laughs> it does change from moment to moment. But, you know, at that moment that they're asking you, they need you to send that kind of, you know, closest to that. One of the things that um, our members ask on our forum and also of our staff pretty frequently is, do I listen to the refs and use that as my guide or do I listen to the description that you guys have written in the listing or the <clears throat> brief? <throat> and my answer to that is, if you do it often enough, you'll develop a feel. Yeah. But really what you're looking for is kind of like to absorb the holistic view. Mm -hmm. There's a description of what they need and then there are the references and you would listen to the references and go, well, what do they all have in common? Right. Because right. they're not looking, in most cases, they're not looking for copies of, no. of those things. Mm -mm. Even when they're looking for replacements, they're not looking for a copy. Right, right. But what are the elements? Um, and I know you're gonna talk about that later when we talk about Vibe. I also wanna tell you guys that not only are we gonna do the mistakes uh, thing, because we are gonna do that, but Elise is also gonna talk about the differences between sync for TV and sync for advertising, which is a biggie. Sync for network promos, songs for trailers, sonic branding, we're gonna spend some time on that. Um, artists to brand scenarios, and sync fees for emerging artists and emerging composers. But for now, let's get back to the mistakes. And um, Oh, you know, I was what? thinking that w one of the things, and it relates to me when I was more of an artist than a business head back uh, in the day, and like I would see creative briefs uh, or searches like this, and I would, say, I would see the name of what I do, you know, the genre. 
um, like <laughs> Electro Lounge or, you know, ambient electronic. <laughs> and you go and you're like, right to oh it. Oh my God, I have so many songs like this. I can't wait, you know, and you're so excited. And you like, you don't see the fine print sometimes. A lot of, of times. <laughs> a, many times because you're so excited that it's fitting what you, yeah. you know, want, what you do. And, and I think it's really important to step back and really look at the details and and look at how maybe it's a lyric that's, you know, it has to do with n a non-relationship, you know, lyric. So it has to have more to do with the maybe survival or good feelings or, you know, not necessarily towards someone or something. Right. Know. A non-romantic. Um, right. Non-romantic. Yeah. And, and also there's even, it's so important to even think about the sub uh, genres of the genre. I mean, I know I've had made the mistake in years past, you know, even in the 80s when they're asking for a vintage 80s, mm -hmm. which I had a vintage 80s, but it was all pop. And um, they're asking for Depeche Mode or, you know, something more darker and more edged. Um, you don't really send the 80s that you have unless it's kind of makes sense to. A lot of people do. And yeah. my theory, tell me if you think I'm right about this mm -hmm. or maybe I'm not so right. Um, yeah is that people will latch on to one thing, whether it's a genre or a time period or a lyric keyword, you know, like love. Even yeah. though it says non-romantic love, they've got right. a song about I love you, which is clearly romantic yeah. love. Mm -hmm. And they send it anyway because there's this tiny little chance that that right. thing will match up. And they think, you know what? The song is so great right. that they're going to hear it and want to put it in because the song is so great. Sure. To which I say, sure they'll happily rewrite yeah. the scene. Maybe they'll yeah. rewrite the entire <laughs> script because they love your song so much. Yeah. So am I? I mean, there are times, I think there are times. I mean, I don't even really want to say this, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's taxing We say all kinds of crap we regret later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but, but there are times, you know, if it's like, oh my God, this is like the most brilliant feeling. Yeah. Um, and it could transcend a romance because of the way the chorus lyric is somehow yeah. in the juxtaposition of it you know or whatever but um i nine times out of ten it is really they really do want something more specific to what they're asking for right they need something that fits their vision a darker thing or yeah. whatever why they they chose those references it's uh Earlier, you mentioned you know what they want at the moment, and yeah. uh, I've heard this from so many of my friends in the industry that you know, obviously things decisions can be made by committee, especially mm -hmm. in advertising. Yeah, and, you know, committee sure. to death, uh, and oftentimes the committee comes up with the solution or, or the the type of thing or the references they want, and then the EP, the executive producer, mm -hmm. or whoever is you know uh, running. Uh, the advertisement or whatever it is mm -hmm. uh, over breakfast with a 17 year old daughter says oh yeah by the way we're going to use xyz song that new commercial daddy's working on and she right. goes diane that's so out of date right you know? right, right. <laughs> and the kid and ends up dictating what changes is, the whole thing yeah <laughs> so you gotta roll with it yeah it's true it happens a lot especially in advertising yeah yeah I, I i don't know if you know well maybe i mentioned it but yeah. at that lunch that day but I ran Howie Schwartz recording in New York for five and oh, a half years. I didn't know that. I That's did. Cool. I started there as an engineer, wow. and then Howie met his future wife and got on a plane and went to like southern Italy or something and just disappeared for a few years. Yeah. So yeah. I went from being low man on the totem pole engineer to studio manager. Full force. And, and wow. 
loved every minute of it. Thank yeah. you, Howie. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I worked with advertising people three, four times a day wow. and really That's got to lot. know them and decided, literally, when I started Taxi, I remember having a thought, I'm not going to run any listings for advertising mm -hmm. because they changed their minds so much. I thought it was right. kind of unfair to the members that right. we asked for one thing and a week later, well, that's not the plan anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do it on occasion. We should probably yeah. do it more often. Anyway, yeah. let's continue going yeah. down your list of things, mistakes, silly mistakes. Um, oh, this next one, uh, the instrumental one. Well, okay. sending instrumentals when the request is for vocals. Um, Hard to believe people do that, but we see it every day. I right? mean, maybe people are just not seeing the Even though we word put the words, we put, the, we put you know, yeah. vocals or instrumentals at least three times in the yeah. listing. And a lot yeah. of times we'll capitalize it or bold mm -hmm. it to make mm -hmm. sure they don't miss it. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes the instrumentals are really great, but they're not asking for instrumentals. They're asking for vocals. So, um, yeah. And actually, and this is maybe not a common mistake in relation to submitting music, but just in relation to sync, have, you know, working in sync, mm -hmm. no, you need to have instrumental versions also besides your full versions always. I know it. We, everyone talks about this a lot. And we and should. And it's really we, true. We should yeah. repeat it. I've talked about it, I don't know, maybe a hundred times on this show, but mm -hmm. I also want to mention coming from a... a post-production mixing background that um, don't adjust your mix meters, don't adjust your, your master bus levels. When you take the vocal out and you see the meters drop, leave everything where it is, just mute the vocal. Don't because, change your music. Right. Or, Don't change or, your mix. Or even just bring up the master fader to compensate because the meters aren't hitting zero and they used to be because what'll happen, the reason they want the instrumental and the vocal version is so they cut back and forth, typically for what's called a donut, where the voiceover would be maybe in the middle of the commercial. Yeah. And they need it to seamlessly cut between those two levels. Right. So yeah, right. people right. think, well, you know, it's a little low. I'm going to bring it up because I've been told to make my mixes as hot as they can be. Right, right. Oops. Yeah. All right, um, another one. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, let's talk about the, that one. Yes, I think it's super important uh, to learn new production techniques on, on any given genre or, or any given um, production style, really, of a genre. Um, I mean, I can think of things like um, swampy, blues rock. Mm -hmm. So if you um, really want to submit for swampy blues rock and not just submit your songs that are what you consider, you know, kind of um, uh, jammy blues rock from, you know, maybe a long time ago. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as like when people are asking for a more modern tinged gritty swampy blues rock that's kind of like chain gang-ish or uh, I can think of artists like um, Kaleo, um, Gary Clark Jr. I mean, these are the kind of um, I love him. references I do, too. I could listen to Gary Clark all yeah, night long. It's really amazing. Um, it's really different than sending in kind of jammy, old, traditional blues rock. It's just, it's not going to fly for that kind of a reference. So as a musician, yeah. if your goal... Mm -hmm. 
uh, you're a taxi member and you get a return on a particular listing that's for Swampy Blues Rock and you mm -hmm. send in stuff that you did in 1994. Mm -hmm. And your friends have listened to it and they go, yeah, it's swampy and yeah, it's blues rock, but it doesn't sound as modern as the other current blues rock sounds. How would you pick that apart as a musician? What would you do when you go back uh, and listen to the references? What kind of things might you notice or look for? Well, I know, like, and for years of doing producing music and having to have to produce it in all these different styles as if I was an artist, the right. artist. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that you, you have to dissect um, the elements, like what are the, the things that really stick out? For instance, um, with you know certain of bl swampy blues, um, there's going to be either a gritty element from the vocal, like a gritty texture that's put on, or it's going to be that the guitars are super gritty, um, or there's going to be some kind of gritty, mm -hmm. maybe, or it's just not going to be everything is nice and clean. Um, also, there's going to be some kind of unusual modern element. I don't really, sometimes I don't know what that is, but I, I, I just take a list whenever I listen to references and I'm going to be submitting and I see what are those elements that really, like you had said earlier, that really stand out, yeah. um, that you have to at least hit two or three of those. Um. Um, sometimes I find that it, it's the attitude and the, right. the style, and the vocal. Uh, yeah, style yeah. and delivery of the vocal that you go, oh, uh, it's a twist. I always call it yeah. the 15% rule. Um, if you try and go further than 15% out of the norm, you've probably taken it too far, which could be great if you're trying to be a breakthrough artist or something. Yeah. But in in the world of sync and commercials, uh, you want to sound fresh, mm -hmm. maybe a little twist on something that makes them go, yeah. hmm, that's kind of cool versus what the hell was that? Yeah. And that's a fine line. Yeah. It has to make, it has to be um, organic to your process to your the creative mm -hmm. you can't just like stick some weird <laughs> right. gritty sound that doesn't make sense to the attitude of the vocal or whatever or the phrasing or you know gotcha i don't know why this popped into my head as yeah. we were discussing this but i was just I, I don't know why i was thinking um i don't know if you know who rob shirelli is but he's an engineer mixer yeah producer, yeah very close right, friend of course mine. yeah and uh we go to fireworks every year on the fourth mm -hmm. of july and this year i held up my phone you know those super percussive um explosions that you yeah. get from certain fireworks like every fifth one will like hit you in the chest yeah i recorded one on my phone and gave it to him to take back to his studio doctored up sampled it you know trimmed mm -hmm. it and, and it sounded great and i was just thinking it would sound awesome with the attack of a basketball combined with that. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> See, cool. Th that's yeah. a, a different take on the same old yeah. thing. Yeah. Nobody would know what it was, but it might do that it, enough yeah. that it's just a little better than an 808 kick. Right, up. right. Wow. That's cool. My brain is fertile today. <laughs> um, you talked in your notes that you sent me, you talked about solutions. Um, and you talk about uh, spending more time reviewing the request details yeah. and listening to the references. So when you were doing this as an artist or yeah. somebody creating music to pitch, um, right. did you ever like make a checklist? And, and oh, go always. And sometimes uh, um, I worked as 
I had a company for um, many years and we did a lot of the E main title themes and um, promo campaigns for a lot of different networks. And Jim at the time, Jim and I, my collaborator, we used to just sit and really go over what the production technique is for the kick or the snare. I mean, we spend a really long time um, outside of you know the time that we were right. on the clock, um, and really um, try to figure out you know if if it was Moby we were trying to uh, emulate in some manner, not the melody, not the hook of Moby, but the essence, the tone, mm. the um, some, and often the the instrument palette. Because, you know, of a certain kinds of synth sounds, course, mm-hmm. and then a certain way of, pun- you know, of um, approaching them phrasing-wise in our hooks. I mean, it's just a lot of um, research, you know, especially as a producer. You're always, you know, researching the production end of things because you want to know how did they get that? Yeah. That's so cool. Like, how can we get that, you know? Um, I'm older on. than you are, and you know, I, I started the industry in '75, I think. Mm-hmm. I used to do that with album covers. Yeah. I would make notes, you know, on the sleeve inside or on the back of the album cover. I would listen to a song over and over and write down notes mm-hmm. about the kick drum or the guitar yeah. sound or the reverb. And I think that that's such a great observation on your part because a lot of people will sit down and go and, and copy the melody. Or not copy right. it, but try and right. emulate it in some way. But you're right. If it's you don't more the have, sonics of it. Yeah, you if know? you don't have those textures together, right. everything else isn't really going to matter. Right. And I know now, you know, we don't people don't do that as much as maybe uh, um, in sync. You know, when you're writing for sync, because things are quick, and you want to, um, and you can use all these different virtual instruments that will do those things quicker for mm-hmm. you. Um, but then know your virtual instruments and know your effects and know what does those things, you know, and, and explore those things and make sure that you know how to use them and make them happen. Um, and cataloging them, I would say yeah. our most prolific and probably our biggest earning taxi members have all to the person said to yeah. me that they either have an electronic file, be it a spreadsheet or just a, a, right. a running document in Word or even maybe sure. even a paper notebook where they write down kick drums and they categorize them by genre or moods or styles so that they don't have to search through going eh, 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 no mm-hmm. eh, 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 no right they, they can right. go right to these one of these three is going to more nail efficient it. yeah 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 it takes your brain out of the music creation mode when you're busy searching for those right. details right right um let's talk about you talked about uh, well, we kind of touched on this, maybe not. Yeah. It's easy to read the genre, like seeing minimal. Yeah, we talked about that. Right. Um, okay, moving on. Let's talk about when they're replacing songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've touched on this in a way, too. But when they're replacing songs specifically in a film um, mm-hmm. or a TV show, and they've had that song tempt in for a long time, and it contributes so much to the energy and the mood and, and right. the emotion of the scene. How, man, oh man, how do you do that as a, a writer? How do you, like, 
how do you replace, let's say, a Don Henley song, mm-hmm. who's you know, a masterful lyricist and masterful at emotion, without sounding like Don Henley and still giving the yeah. producers what they're looking for emotionally? That's a tough nut. It is tough. Yeah, I mean, it, again, I think it's you have to like look at the essence of the, what they're referring to, right. the track, the song, the Don Henley song, and um, you know, try to figure out. Well, if you were you as a writer are doing that, I mean, you know, because there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Right. But as a writer, yeah, I think you you have to just break it down again and and feel what the phrasing is and the tone, um, tempo definitely. I mean, they are definitely going after that tempo for after they've been hearing it for you know however long. Let's talk it. about tempo specifically yeah. for a few minutes because that's so critical. Um, in a situation like that, particularly, like yeah, in advertising, sometimes well, it could be that they really need the tempo too in, in advertising, but definitely in this situation, yeah. Especially if they've cut the scene or they've cut yeah. the the TV spot right. already. Right, um, right. Yeah, they may have done cuts to the temp song to mm-hmm. the kick drum on the temp song. Right. And and they think it's easy. You yeah. know? Oh, we need something to replace this. Yeah. It'd be cool if it were about the same tempo. <laughs> yeah. So a smart person would sit down and match the tempo and then build from there. I'm well, guessing. and yes, and also in film, you know, it would be great when you get to have picture yeah. and you could see what it is that's working. You know, you don't always get that. As, but um you know, to see how things, you know, accenting and, you know, rhythmically, how you would work more at a picture uh, with your hook or, or whatever, with, with what, what you're doing. We get people that ask us this all the time, yeah. and I think you're probably the first person I've ever asked on the show, and that is, hey, Taxi, why don't you, especially for advertising stuff, and sometimes we do get to see picture and we can't share with them, can you explain to the masses mm-hmm. out there, why uh, an ad agency and the product, let's say it's Tide detergent yeah. and it's J. Walter Thompson, I don't even know right. if they do Tide or not. Yeah. Why would they not want that 30 second spot, a rough cut or a final cut of that going out to thousands upon thousands oh. of people? Yeah, you mean like to all these different writers? <laughs> right. Oh, because then it just, it's, I mean. People can't imagine why not. Why wouldn't they want me to see the picture or write to it? Well. I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> I mean, you have to sign um, non-disclosure, you know, agreements when, when you are lucky enough to get to yeah. be able to see the picture, um, because they don't want you to know their secrets of how they are doing their visual, what their brand uh, story is on that. You know, they don't want to share that. Or to hand it off to one of their competitors right, or something. Right, 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 right. We, uh, I don't think you've ever heard this part of taxi lore, but it's a story worth retelling for the tenth time, probably. <laughs> Years ago, Campbell's Soup was doing an entire remake of their um, their audio branding, and they needed a new song, Mm -hmm. Um, not a jingle, but a song. And if I remember, I think we had three that were run that were like down to the or two out of the final three were from Taxi. Wow! Yeah, our members just knocked it out of the park. Uh, and I want to say it was a big one. I want to say it might have been like a six-figure deal. Whoa. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was probably 10 years ago. Money was still good. Uh-huh. And, man, we were so impressed with our members, the stuff that we got. And I remember we sent it to our guy in New York, and he's like, something out of this batch is going to cross gonna the finish. going to fly, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, 
the guy from the ad agency. If I, I'm hopefully I'm getting this right. And hopefully their lawyers aren't watching. <laughs> uh, but what happened was. They said, yeah, go ahead, share the video. Mm-hmm. Well, they were used to sharing it with a half a dozen composers that were right. in their inner circle in New York. They weren't, you know, and I said, look, it would be going out to thousands wow. all over the world. Yeah. And they said, no, nah, that's fine. I really? said, no, that, that's, wow. it's not fine. Yeah. So what we did was with their permission in mm-hmm. writing, we put it up on a private YouTube channel. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, some of the people downloaded it from YouTube. Back then, I Oh, I you, there wasn't a thing where you couldn't make it downloadable? No. You, yeah. Back then, it, yeah. you couldn't download anything from YouTube, but there was a hack to do it. Oh, and these people figured out the yeah, hack. Yeah, yeah. So what they did when they found out they weren't forwarded was they put their music that didn't get forwarded underneath the video oh, wow. of the commercial. Wow. And then sent it to the receptionist at Campbell's. <gasps> No way. Yeah. Friday afternoon, about 3, 4 o'clock, I get a phone call from Jay Walter. No, yeah. it wasn't Jay Walter Thompson. I think it was maybe like YNR. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think a lawyer for Campbell's and a lawyer for YNR and the VP. Uh-huh. And I said, look, we did it exactly like we all this was documented in writing. We yeah. did it with permission, right. blah, blah, blah. And they opened the phone call with saying, you own the company, right? And uh-huh. I said, yes, I do. And he said, take a good look around because by Monday you won't. Ooh, <laughs> whoa. I was scared to death. Oh but gosh. in the end, we followed the rules. We were more yeah. cautious, actually, than they were. Wow. But wow. yeah, we came very close to having wow. a really bad day. Yeah. And, and none of the taxi stuff made it in. And and yeah. I think three different people all put the music, their music, underneath the picture mm. and sent it in one way or another, either to, I think they all went to Campbell's. They literally called wow. the, the receptionist and said, can wow. I have an email address? <laughs> oh, my God. Please don't ever do that. <laughs> no. Oh, oh man. Wow. Wow. Um, let's talk about vibe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, vibe. That's like trying to describe love. Um, yeah. It's a word that we all use every single day of our lives, I think, in the industry. Yeah. And our members are used to seeing it from us yeah. as well as other people who are writing for Sync. Mm-hmm. How do you describe vibe? What is it? Why is it important? Yeah, I mean, that's thrown away around all the time from music supervisors. And um, I mean, they just say over and over again, tone and vibe, tone and vibe. And... It's really a combination. I mean, you can, again, look at it. You have to look at all the different elements that might be similar. In, for instance, um, what's the instrumentation? What's the style of production? Um, is there a certain attitude from the vocal? Is there um, a certain kind of punchy or short phrases or you know the, right. um is it more um energetic i mean sometimes they don't say like they won't say we need something really driving and energetic even though that's what the tone of it is yeah. really. so i mean that could be vibe or tone in the activity of the melody or there's a lot of different uh, things it's a it stew it's yeah Somebody once told me it's a word that avoids lawsuits, that we all use it in the industry because <laughs> uh-huh. we could say, hey, I just told him to go for the vibe, which right, I understand. Right. You know, going for the vibe is like, you know, can you paint me something in the vibe of Picasso? Well, that means it's going to be abstract. 
right. from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe. You're not ripping off Picasso. But it is a stew of everything that we've talked about today. And then in the end, it's kind of like, how did it make you feel? Mm-hmm. Because that's like the... Yeah. The most important aspect, of, when you put all those elements that you analyzed back together in the proportions that you think are emulating the vibe, did mm-hmm. it evoke the same emotion? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. Did it make or you mood. happy? Or, or the mood. Did, right. Yeah. And that's hard right. to, you know, how do you explain where emotions Maybe it's just from? sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's not any of those things. And it's just like what you're saying. It's just the emotion that you feel, like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's every different for different situations. I love watching. I, I affectionately call them vidiots, uh, people yeah. who deal in, with picture in, instead of music or sound. Mm-hmm. And I love watching them try to express what they want with the genre. Mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the other yeah. extreme. Make it have more of a bubble. Right, or, right, right. <laughs> give me more purple. Right. So... Well, that's really an interesting topic, actually, yeah, let's that, talk about that it. goes to sonic branding and yeah. working with, I mean, I don't know that you want to go there yet, yeah, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, we don't have any strict orders, so yes, we I can. Mean, it, it could relate to anything uh, custom, really, I think. Um, um, wait, I'm losing my <laughs> point. Of, you just said... Uh, make about, it, give it more of a bubble, make it oh, more yeah. purple. So when you are interpreting your client's vision you know when they're for instance in custom music a lot of times if you're dealing directly with creative directors or producers and um you are taking notes on what it is they're going after in a particular say it's just a brand for a network uh or for a network okay and so um from a sonic branding point of view you know they have a brand bible you know they have these you know, all the colors and the motions and the things that perhaps that they want to launch in this new um, network or, or on a rebrand, a, a, a new way of, uh, a new identity for their already existing Let's brand. make up a fictitious example. Yeah. Let's say, I was going to say something on Discovery. Let's not. for No, let's <laughs> Not this week. Uh, although today. I understand things have turned around. Yes, um, uh, let's say um, there's a new network called the kitty cat channel. Right, it's it's right. all about kitty cats being yeah. really cute and fuzzy and cuddly. Yeah. Um, what, and, and they've got their brand emblazoned on the, in the you know tip of their brain. Right. And like you said, the brand Bible, the, the yeah. color, that it's soft, that it's warm, that it's right. cuddly, it's lovable, it's affectionate. We're gonna go with a lot of like, um, pastels because it's kittens we're not going to go with primary colors and then you come into that meeting and they've explained that where would you go with your questions to them as the composer is trying that's a whole thing um well that's okay yeah Uh, we're not Um, going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) um well really there's a million there's a lot of questions around that um it's about understanding the demographic and the target Mm. the target demographic um, if it's really for like kids or, you know, or, you know, they even, cause a lot of times they often say when in, you know, re- relation to children's music, it's not like even for tweens or, you know, uh, um, toddlers, um, you don't want to dumb down your music. 
Um, you, you definitely, everyone listens, toddlers listen to cool, really edgy music too. I mean, mm-hmm. not necessarily lyrically, but, you know, still they uh, respond to really cool grooves. Mm-hmm. You, so you don't dumb down your groove unless that's what the client wants, you know. But generally... And then they'll hate it even though it's their right, idea. <laughs> right, right, right. But I think it's like, really, you have to figure out, you're finding... Um, what it is that they're going for by ask, asking a ton of questions. But sometimes they start with giving you a ton of information first. So when you talk about things like um, the bubble or make me feel like it's a bubble breaking or, mm-hmm. you know, I want to feel like, you know, the meow of the cats without a real meow. You know, I want to feel, so then you go, so do you mean literally that you want the, a rhythmic, like feel like a, you know, you know, like a glottal fry turned into a rhythmic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because you're always looking at what's the signature sound in in mnemonics and in sonic branding. Mm-hmm. You find, um, oftentimes, I'm not saying this is always right. the case. There are no rules never, that are 100. percent But sometimes, especially in short, uh, quick, like two to five second, you know, signature sounds. Um, you're just trying to boom, you got to get the feeling across in two to five seconds. So you come to it together, really. It's a lot of interpreting the client's words and trying to find a common language because they often don't know music as a language, although more and more people do know it now. Um, um, You're finding a common language. Uh, What does bubble mean to you? Because bubble means something different to everybody. Uh, what does rhythm even mean, you know, in relation to a five-second piece? Um, uh, how much do you want rhythm and how much do you want sonic? Um, do you know in your head as a client, and some people do and some people don't, um, that you want a two or three, uh, you want a melody? Or do you want like a feeling of a, like a wash of sound that has a rhythmic feel? To which I mean, they, there's just to so which many... they go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to which they go, yeah. Can you show me all those things right. in two seconds? <laughs> yeah, but that's got to so, be I mean, scary. I, I, I guess mean, if it's a cool client and a good client, yeah. they know that you're initially as lost as they were a month ago or six months ago when they started down their path, uh-huh. and you're just coming into their world. So I guess if they're cool, there's a lot of give and take. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think um, that this is why I was saying that there's a difference now. I think um, I was doing it bit, you know, for about 12 years, um, kind of from the late 90s until the late 2000s and it was it was very much um us as creative force Jim and I coming in and kind of dictating after hearing to them we were the ones having the answer you know what direction we need to go in I think a a lot of companies that do sonic branding now are doing a lot of research you know they have their you know analysts actually doing all of that um we were very you know going with your gut yeah going with our gut and we you know so how does one become a sonic branding person? Because um, yeah. a lot of people watching this are probably thinking, wow, I'd be good at that. That sounds like a cool way to earn your living. Um, how, did, how do you get your first gig? How, how do you learn how to do it? And then how do you get your first gig? Yeah, I mean, I know for, for Jim and I mm-hmm. back um, 
like I said, when we were first starting out, we um, we actually, I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly. I know that we had some sort of a reel based on some of the, um, you know, a music reel to picture, mm -hmm. um, based on some things that we had done. Uh, I don't really even remember because there weren't that many that we had done originally. But we- yeah, there's something's always gotta yeah, be the first. Like we did for people, you know, kind of on spec. Mm -hmm. And then we had say, I wanna say five or six strong things, um, promo looking things or um, sonic sounding things um, to picture. And then we sent them out to just every broadcast design company. That's what we did because at the time, and I still think, I because I have ex-clients of mine that want me to come back in, um, um, that they were really, in, I got a call, like from a major broadcast design company, um, just saying, we love what you guys are doing. Could you come in and look at a project that we're thinking of doing? So how do they find out that it's you? Well, when? we at the time, we would send our reels out to everybody. Oh, okay. And we'd so. have our contact information on it and everything. And um, So it was cold calling. It was. But with was. a resume that, that and showed credibility and expertise. It, it, we didn't really have too much of a resume <laughs> at the time. Um, you know, well, you um, can show your work. We did start working with you know, E! Entertainment, and we were doing a lot of work for them. Um, we had never done anything, and we hadn't worked in that format before. Uh, which was 30s and 60s for promo campaigns. And then suddenly we were doing all the main titles for E for a while and all the promo, promo campaigns. Um, and it just, I don't know, it's like being in the right place at the right time, but also knowing your stuff, you know, being ready for uh, sending it out to everyone and then being ready for anything, really. So if I'm somebody who's a taxi yeah. member, and I'm getting a lot of stuff into music libraries through Taxi, and I'm getting a lot of placements in yeah. reality TV shows, and I'm fascinated by the conversation that you and I are having as I watch this episode, which <laughs> I hope every one of you are. Um, and I go, wow, I'd like to pursue sonic branding. Yeah. Um, what should they be doing as their homework to educate him or herself as to yeah. these are the rules of the game today? Well, there are actually, and I, don't, I can't really name them, but I there are some great books out now about sonic branding. Um, Good to know. I I could say one. <laughs> yeah, you can recommend a book. Um, um, the owner of Man Made Music, he'll love this too. Okay. Um, um, Joel Beckerman wrote a mm. really great uh, book, and I can't think of the name of it, but it, if you look up Joel Beckerman and the book he wrote, he might have written a couple by now, about um, sonic branding. He's a very much a master at that. Um, and his company does very well in that world. Um, I think it's important to understand that world before you start pushing your way into any of it. Like I'm saying, like uh, you have to know what the formats are. I mean, um, it's more about, it's a, sometimes it's about sound effects and sonics more than, even though there are people that just do the sound effects, you don't necessarily have to be the one composing the sound effects. It's good to just know what, you know, what's going to be needed in this kind of a, a world. And, and the format is like anywhere from two seconds to 60 seconds, usually. I mean, like you're going to, you're going to have these little two to five second 
what's called, used to be called mnemonics, mm -hmm. the signature sound that goes with the graphic design logo. And you're basically giving the identity for the visual in all these different increments of time, you know, two or five or 10. I want to go back downs. to, I want to talk about yeah. um, composing to two seconds or five mm -hmm. second slots, but so many millennials that I know are very proud to say, I've cut the cord. Yeah. I, I don't have cable anymore, and I understand that, but I feel like they're missing 80% of their education because yeah. if what you're doing for the most part is you know going on to Hulu or Netflix and mm -hmm. watching a show, you're missing out on so much education. But yeah. on all those shows, you can see um, when HBO comes on and it has its sonic you know, uh, identity. Or TriStar with the horse. Yeah, there's always... Yeah. There's always interesting, it, you can always be watching the logos on anything. I'm not saying they shouldn't yeah, watch that, yeah, right, but right, right, right. that's yeah. one type. Yeah. And, and you're right, that's those true. are some of the most, some of the best out there because yeah. they put a lot of time and energy into getting those logos. A, a right. logo in the film world would be like the Columbia logo with right. the Columbia statue, or uh, I think it's TriStar that's got the horse that gallops yeah. towards you with the wings. Um, and yeah. with internet and everything, I mean, there's just so many different forms of media now that you could be doing logo sonic for, you know, I mean, that's a whole world that, it's a great area. Let's talk about the sound effect people for a minute. Yeah. Um, I know that friends of mine in the trailer world uh, have surprised me over the years when I find out that not only do they not score a trailer from top to bottom? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes right. it's two or three or four things that are edited together according yeah, to sure. what is going on um, in the scene. Mm -hmm. uh, and most trailers have you know, a, a three act, sometimes now four acts, mm -hmm. and you have to kind of score to those acts or create stuff that can be cut into those acts well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm amazed at how many sound effects are dropped in with the music to the point yeah. where there are specialists that do nothing but trailer sound effects. Yeah. It's like, how could you learn that other than watching a thousand other trailers and going, uh-huh, I see what they did, why yeah. they did it, and then you kind of master what's already been done and then right. transcend it. Right. That's what you do. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, think, I think that is what it is. Um, I mean, I'm noticing more and more like you say, there is more um, sound effects within the musical piece, um, even without you know somebody being specialty uh, doing the sound mm -hmm. effects. But then you know some of the greatest uh, trailer cues are sound effects right now. Yeah, um, especially action them. stuff. Yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, crashes and, and drops. And right, and that and that and that stuff. brings up really you know because. Um, some of the mistakes made in doing trailer cues are not taking the sounds to a much more magnified place. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, on hits, I find like when I hear uh, not just a taxi, but you know, in a lot of composer cases where people are asking me for my opinions about is this ready for you know prime time or whatever, and a lot of times it it's just not. <laughs> I mean, you have to go way deeper than you think you do on creating something like, for instance, a, a hit, even just a right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's got to have more depth. It has to have a feeling. Every element in a trailer queue has to have a feeling or how they come together. There has to be 
nothing that's just technically efficient. <laughs> you know? that's, I've never um, heard that phrase. That's great. I mean, I mean, we actually, you know, I'm working a lot with um, another company, and okay. and we're um, we're doing um, we're doing some trailer stuff right now, and we're producing, and um, we are working with these amazing uh, artists uh, right now that. Are one is a concert pianist and the other is a concert cellist, and they're doing all these weird textures with their instruments, more sound effecty, and um, and then with electronics, and um, there it's I don't know it's just um, and I said even to them and they're brilliant I you know please this is the feeling is here here are all these sounds that are amazing now take them to the emotional place. Now, each time that you say your, because it's basically little mini um, stories, I guess, even in the acts, you know, even as they are cohesive with each other, you want them to be. But still, I mean, if you're going to have a sound there and then connect it to the next, to, it has to be connected to a feeling, is what I'm saying. It has to evoke a feeling. So let's take the first act of a trailer, which is typically the setup that yeah. kind of uh, gives you a hint about what this film is going to be about yeah. so that you can identify, oh, that's something that might interest me. Right. Um, so sonically, to gather interest or to um, evoke emotion, um, might you do like a low creepy growl that's almost inaudible but gives the body you know you're in right. a movie theater and it's loud and you get that sensation like oh right. something horrible is like going to happen and it could be like it's the subtleties of things actually yeah I mean there are things that you have to magnify and there's the big you know bombastic things that you want to make but there's sometimes the shaping and subtlety of what you're doing and transition um, mm. that makes um that makes it more explosive without you even, you know, it just happens that way from how you shape it. It's not uh, something like, oh, I'm going to make a big explosion sound here because everybody uses explosion sounds. I have to make it really deep and then it's deep and then it goes nowhere and there's nothing, it makes no sense to the rest of the track. Right. It's like everything basically... Honestly, today's world where it's so competitive, the trailer trailer music is so competitive, you better just blow people away with every second of your cue. And so many people would love to do trailers yeah. and they limit themselves to their current knowledge of past trailers. Uh-huh. Um, That's a good guideline. Right. It's a launching it's yeah, a it's platform a launching, or a foundation, yeah. but yeah. it's not the future. And everybody's always looking um, somebody once said to me back in, the, in you know, the days of producing records, somebody, I asked somebody who was older and smarter than I was for advice, and they said, every time you sit down at a console, think about what the industry is going to sound like a year and a half to two years from now, right. because emulating a hit record from last year doesn't mean... Yeah. It's not, it's not being progressive necessarily. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then you also have yeah. to apply the 15% rule. If you take it yeah. too far, it's like, ooh, what's yeah. that? Nobody's going to buy it. The public won't buy it. Programmers right. won't play it. Right. So I, I would assume that... Well, you constantly have to wear your producer hat, you know? When you're um, doing sonic when you're, branding or when you're When you're doing anything or even trailers. Yeah. I mean, you have to sit and go after you've gotten into your whole creative thing and you're totally there and everything's come out of you and then you have to sit back and go, is this really 
what I meant to do and how do I need to shape this more in an area to make it feel more this or that. I mean, you have to wear your little production hat and, you know, kind of not just, oh, I made this incredible thing I'm so proud of. I mean, yes, you can be really proud of it and totally be in the moment with it. And then you have to shape it into what might so there's, happen. So there's, there's great. <laughs> yeah. There's right. Yeah. And then there's great and right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really what you're going for is great yeah. and right. Yeah. I mean, certainly you don't, you want to have your creative juices all going and really show that but you know it, it's a constant back and forth you know for the final product for the final product can we discuss money um, yeah we can discuss it a little <laughs> yeah i mean you know i don't want you to give any actual yeah. examples but people hear conversations like the one yeah. we're having and they probably wonder gee i wonder how much those guys get paid to do that stuff mm -hmm. how much does somebody who creates a sonic logo for a cable network, how much might they get paid for that? Is it like 5,000 bucks or 50,000? Well, it really depends on the client and it really depends on the amount of work you're doing. Uh, I mean, I, I have to say that I'm not as versed right this very minute um, in I'm going back into it again, actually soon. Yeah. But um, um, it used to be, uh, back, you know, say in the early 2000s um, that or late 90s, that for a three-month promo campaign that you're doing all the music and custom, uh, you know, that you might make anywhere between, um, it just depends on the client, 30K to 50K. Okay. You know. Um, Is that like... If it's only cable, cable you, numbers, if, cable. If, if you're not a company and it's you, right. uh, so that's cable numbers, yeah. Okay. And then if you're, um, I mean, it goes up from there. It just depends uh, on their budget. You know, everybody has a budget and how many pieces they need, um, how much work you're going to do, how much instrumentation, if you need other arrangers, you know, there's... There's all those things to think about, all the different variables. Um, let's talk trailers for a moment, and I'm not sure this is an area of expertise for you, so feel free to tell me yeah. I'm, I'm off base with this question, but yeah. sample libraries are so good, mm -hmm. and I've heard people who are so masterful at using them that I can't tell the difference. And yeah. you know, I come from an engineering background, and I've done quite a bit of orchestral work, yeah. and, and I know what an orchestra sounds like in a, you know, like in a 2,000-seater and a 5,000-seater. And I hear stuff and I don't know anymore, yeah. uh, which blows me away. Yeah, it impresses <laughs> me that these guys are so good. And yet I've had friends of mine who are trailer composers tell me that they use like the um, Prague Symphony or you know mm -hmm. any of these rental symphonies where you can rent them by the hour in case you guys right. don't know. Right. Right. Which I, I, just, think, I actually just learned this like, recently, recently about yeah. this. I'm just yeah. explaining this to yeah. somebody, I don't know, Thursday last yeah. week, I think, that there are I think it's like the Prague Symphony Orchestra mm -hmm. and maybe one in Romania. There's yeah. some Eastern European orchestras mm -hmm. that are masterful. These guys are great players. And what they do is everybody shows up. 80 pieces show up on a Monday morning and yeah. they sit down and a copyist preps all the charts over the weekend. And okay, session number one, we're beginning hour number one mm -hmm. and we're doing this piece of music and everybody's got the chart on their music stand mm -hmm. and they record it and you watch via Skype or something like right. that. And right. you say, you know, I think I hear a rub at bar 24 mm -hmm. and, and it's like you're there. And what you get are real players in a real hall, and yeah. it's 
when I can't remember now what the numbers are, so I'd be lying if I quoted something, but it yeah. was shockingly inexpensive for I don't know the is. numbers for that, but I know it is shockingly inexpensive. It, it was like, yeah. I don't know, I want to say like a few hundred bucks an hour or something? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. wow, I, I would wow. much rather do that than spend a week fine-tuning all the orchestral stuff <laughs> coming out of a box. Right, right, and, right, right. But I've been told by friends of mine in the trailer business that they can absolutely hear the difference between a masterful out-of-the-box version mm -hmm. and a version with real players. And I don't know if they're telling me the truth or not because I'm experienced. I've got ears. Yeah. I can't tell the difference sometimes. We yeah. have taxi members that are that good yeah. that I listen to their stuff and go, nobody in the real world wouldn't know yeah. or would know that this is not the real deal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think people, there are people, though, in the trailer world who do know the difference. You know, it, um, Even an editor, and I know that picture editors are, uh, yes, they've got a producer. The, yeah. and, and I'm assuming that the trailer world that um, is still kind of the same process that I knew about a few years ago, yeah. which is, um, let's say it's Columbia Pictures will mm -hmm. reach out to four or five trailer houses that they've worked with in the past and they've had yeah. good results and they're the big boys and right. they like them. Could be a little boy, but they like them. <laughs> and they say, okay, we're going to give you like $5,000 a piece to work up a demo, basically. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. so they sit down in a conference room and they brainstorm ideas. What's the storyline? What are the things, the things that we need to accent and hit? and they come up with an overall plan and then somebody, I, I look at you because I think you're a producer type, you would be right. really good at that job. You <laughs> yeah. would be good to run a team of people. Mm -hmm. So you've got um, an editor working under you mm -hmm. and you've got a um, uh, maybe two or three composers or, right. or music people in some capacity working under you and you and your team prep one version, somebody else preps the B version, somebody else has the C version, you all present in the conference room and the mm -hmm. one that wins is the one that ultimately gets presented to Columbia Pictures. Mm -hmm. The same process happens at the other three or four companies. I've heard, and this is probably right. true, because I know this happens sometimes in advertising, where company A comes up with the winning scenario. Right and they go quietly go to company B, hey, these guys are going to get it, but if you could come up with something oh, that wow, emulates, yeah. that does happen. I know. So yeah. ultimately, I guess my point in telling or recanting that, no, not recanting, recounting <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that it's often the video editor who's mm -hmm. cutting the picture right. that's really calling the shots on the music, and I'm so impressed that they know enough mm -hmm. that they could hear the difference between a live mm -hmm. orchestra and something coming out of the box, mm -hmm. or that they could say, you know, this needs to be more bombastic. Can you do this to it? Right, uh, right. It is amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they didn't used to be that good back right. in my day. They are now, though. Yeah, for sure. You know, I just thought of something, actually, sure. in relation to, because I forgot that when you were up for jobs uh for sonic branding going yeah. back there for a minute sorry but Please. um we were our we had a company name and even and i think people thought we were a lot more people at our company than we were right. um uh, we did yeah, have a team good, good branding we did have a team <laughs> but we were the main composers um, okay. Jim and i and um we so our company we would go and do say you know three or four pieces to show them what we would do with the you know they gave us all the information the brand bible you know all of that what would you guys do for these 10 pieces uh i mean 
what would be the direction, not mm -hmm. 10 pieces. And so you do a whole presentation. You take into consideration everything that they told you. You know, you present in front of all the creative directors and producers. And, um, and you leave them with your whole presentation and everything. And then you go away and it would be down to four companies. Um, and so for instance, when we were up against, I don't know, maybe we were up against five companies for Quincy Jones, late night vibe, you know, <laughs> promo campaign, uh, UPN at the time, uh, in the nineties. And, um, we, what they call, you know, we, we were awarded the job, That's right. a big, you know, and so, um, so oftentimes you are up against, it's not like, oh, you just magically get the job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point, is that you are up against other people, and then they whittle it down, and then you might have to do something else, you know, just like custom, like composers. How long um, would the process, if you had to come up with yeah. an average time from the day you got the first reach out uh, um, via email or phone call yeah, till the day you were awarded the job, how long? Maybe a month. And then how long after they've awarded you the or, job, how long does the process uh, of creating and the back and forth? And oh, well, <laughs> it just really depends on how many pieces and how big the scope oh. of the project is. So let's talk about the scope yeah. of the project yeah. uh, and how many pieces. Right. I'm guessing like a 2, a 5, a 10, a 15, a 30. All of... If that's a basic, that's a base. Like say you're doing um, a very basic um Let's see, I'm trying to think, like a promo launch with some extra pieces uh, of identity, on, like a relaunch mm -hmm. of, you know, it's just some, and they want it to be a smaller one. So say you have five to eight pieces that you're doing, you're going to, and they want you to do a longer, you know, the 30 or the 60, and you're going to cut, do cut downs from it. You're not going to charge as much as if you have to do each piece completely different. You know. So if you were doing the cutdowns from a 60, I'm guessing that you would have to compose at a tempo that would edit out, uh, that would time out for those other cutdowns. Um, because if, if you've got a 60 and you need to do a five, it's got to be divisible enough that with the ring out and the tail and everything that you can still do it in that span right. of time. Right. There's just a whole lot of things that you have to think of. It's a puzzle yeah. game. <laughs> that's very sophisticated again. stuff. I yeah. mean, that's not just like fun. I created a pretty piece of music. Don't you love it? Right. You know, right. right. And you have to change. You might have to change things for a five, you know, like take out certain uh, elements and let something ring out in a little bit of a different way. It just depends if, if the client's OK with that, too. Or, yeah. you know, what are you going after? Um, there's a lot of variables again. But um, but on a smaller it. You know, that's pretty fast. Uh, you know, five or six or eight pieces is not, especially if it's cut downs, it's not going to be, it's not going to be too time consuming um, once you have the direction. And, you know. But you have to think about that when you're writing yeah. the 60, you have right. to write melodic phrases that mm -hmm. are going to fit mm -hmm. into a much more compact space eventually. Definitely. And, and moods. It right. could be that, um, let's say you're doing a news network, you're mm -hmm. doing a package, right. you know, a, a news ID package, mm -hmm. which is the big kahuna of them right. all, I would imagine. Yeah. And, I mean, let's take, uh, sadly, this weekend's turn of events, Kobe Bryant mm -hmm. very sadly, um, tragically died in that helicopter crash. Yeah. And if you were CNN or one of the news networks uh, and you do a breakaway, mm -hmm. um, the music is going to be 
the CNN theme done in a sad right definitely way. yeah and it's got to still fall within that time range right. of I don't know so no. you definitely think melody like what is the melody that's going to fit in this right for sure but it's got to be the yeah. CNN melody whatever right. that is right. and but right. it might be just minored or right. something right definitely and you would want to play it slower and more mm-hmm. delicately mm-hmm. so that it's sad mm-hmm. but you've only got you've got to do it in five seconds, seconds. and you have yeah. to imagine that someday something tragic could happen that would be appropriate for and right design that scenario in your head right so that you could design the music wow yeah there's a lot uh, to think about it yeah. sounds fun it is really fun <laughs> it's really fun uh, are you neurotic and anal by um I but, am. But your best friends describe is that because I <laughs> yeah. would think that you need those I am. traits. In fact, I mean, I've had, um, like Jim used to say to me, you know, and, and we laugh about it now, but like, um, you know, I, w- I was, and I still am, like, this, it's the subtle things that make a difference mm-hmm. in um, mixes and in um, emo- finding the right emotion that you're trying to, especially when you're trying to deliver something and the client has told you what the emotion that they want. Yeah. And you haven't quite got there. You can just, there's little subtle things you could do that, that bring it to that. And so I miss, you know, the police, the subtle right. shape, uh, the emotion police. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you know, can you rein yourself in? Do you know when you've crossed the yeah. edge and you're going to fall off the cliff? Yeah. When I've driven myself way too crazy <laughs> and then I know, you know what? You just need to stop and see what the client thinks. You know? uh, do you get into bed at night when you're on a project and, you know, it's like you're dozing <laughs> off and the eyes open up, you stare at yeah. the ceiling and go, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. And get back out of bed and go back and get down. And figure out your next list of, you know. <laughs> Things that you're going to obsess about. Totally. I don't. That's never going to change for anything, not for sync, not for creating music, you know, uh, any area. Of- I would think that it takes... Uh, that many people who are successful, the larger mm-hmm. percentage of people who are successful in that endeavor and mm-hmm. in similar endeavors have to be built like that. Because yeah. if you have kind of a laissez-faire, it's like, yeah, that's cool attitude. Yeah. No, you, you can have a lot of those people around, but you there has to be somebody who harnesses, you know, who pulls everyone right. in. There's got to be a general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's great yeah. information. Um, let's talk about promos. Oh, yeah. Um, specifically... Um, Sync for network TV promos. Um, yeah, I mean, right how, now. How are they different than, you know, creating instrumentals for reality shows? Because some people might think, oh, they just take this music and they use it over there. Yeah, but for for promo campaigns, it's going to be, you know, it has to have a lot of, even if it's going to be stark, um, it has, again, it has to have an incredible, evocative, emo- you know, feeling. Um, whatever it is, if it's, if it's, I'm trying to think because, like, the main thing everybody asks for right now is, you know, um, over and over is anthemic, mm. um, um, building, 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 getting more big, bigger, bigger, bigger until, you know, um, in any genre, but right. particularly like anthemic pop or, or um, anthemic rock. And, um, but then there's other, other kinds of things. As long as it, you know, like there's the uses where th- something is just super odd against contrasting against uh, something, and and that finds its power there with how the contrast. Right, you wouldn't expect it, but the juxtaposition yeah. makes you go, right. oh, 
makes yeah. it noti- noticeable. Or, or the silence, mm. you know. Right. Uh, again, you know, we all talk about that too, but sometimes there is power in silence uh, too. So, yeah. um, You're right, yeah. you know. Um, as you were saying that, I'm thinking about times where there's been like a, a, a pregnant pause in a trailer and then mm-hmm. the next thing that flies at you is so loud and so yeah. big and so bombastic that right. it just blows you out of your seat. Right. But if the silence had a pre- if it was ramping up to that, it would yeah. has have been as impactful. Yeah, right, as impactful, yeah. Yeah. Um when people are doing promos, it's been a long time since I've been in a room. I, I I've mixed a lot of promos and I've auditioned a lot of music for promos as a mm-hmm. mixer of them back in the day. I was often disappointed that the they would often send fairly young producers that mm-hmm. seemed pretty green into mm-hmm. the room, and it's because nobody else wanted to go to the studio and mm-hmm. deal with the post production audio on right. you know on a promo package. So oftentimes it, it was the engineer that made a lot of the suggestions, and the young green producer got to go back to the network looking heroic, right. like wow, that person's a genius. No, you got the right engineer <laughs> today. Yeah. Um, How does somebody learn that skill? Let's start out with, with the music. Let's just talk about the music skill. Yeah, yeah. How do you learn to compose for promos as opposed to composing in a more general way for film and TV placements? Because it is hmm. a specific type of music. Oftentimes, again, there is no hundred percent rule, but yeah. um, comedic promos on one, you know, would yeah. be one thing. Um, a dramatic promo would right. be They're another. All, they are a little bit different. I mean, when I was composing for um, promos, which I haven't been doing lately, I've yeah. been syncing, doing sync. Right. Um, um, it is always, I mean, you know, promos always good for driving and energy and you know, a lot of times, uh, especially for comedic or for um, um, usually promo is synonymous with up-tempo, um, unless, and sometimes fun, unless, unless of course, it's, it's more dramatic. And then, you know, you're going for emotion and, uh, um, and an unpredictable quality so that... Um, I don't know. I think um, I think more like in relation to I can speak more about songs that work in promos right now because I, I represent a lot of um, artists and uh, I have a couple of amazing bands that are really ama- great and they fit really well with promos and I think they have their own understanding of how to build arrangements um, in a song setting. Okay, know? so what makes those artists fit well in that setting what are some yeah. of the the key markers of the kind of music they make is it rhythmic is it melodic is they get to the point really it, quickly it's, well for the for this particular band i'm thinking of it's like they start usually pretty stark mm. and um and more cinematic in a way even though they're um an anthemic hip-hop slash pop band okay um yeah, and sometimes a gritty rock band as well. But um, but when they're doing cinemat, their cinematic arrangements, which they do cinematic arrangements of arrangements that are more hip hop. You know, they okay. just as 
uh, a band as an artist. Would they do, do that. that if they weren't getting the stuff synced? Did they kind of grow um, into that on they, their own, or did I they think do they it grew, by intent? I think they grew into it because people do want different versions once they like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow, wouldn't that be cool? You know, or or they just want your stems, and then, you know, they're going to mix it themselves. But, but in terms of loving a song and loving the power of the song, it's going to be, especially in promos, the power of the chorus and how big it gets. Um, and like you're saying, if they know, if they can arrange uh, where they have a drop right before the big you know, huge lift. Right. Um, um, they know, yeah, they have just somehow figured it out over time, like um, really understanding edit, you know, the whole edit right. world. Right, ooh, that's a great way to explain yeah. it. And I'm guessing, only because I've seen this with people I know that are successful in the mm-hmm. ad world, for instance, yeah. that while outsiders might look at it and go, oh, you sold out and, and you're doing all this stuff kind of made to order, man, why don't you just flip burgers, you know? <laughs> Right. I find that the people who become successful in these more sophisticated versions of what they originally were, that they really enjoy the challenge and feel yeah. like they've risen to a higher level. Would you say that yeah. that's true of that definitely. band? Definitely, definitely. And and I don't think they, they started by doing that at all. I mean, they were just evolved into it. It's like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. It's mm. like we, and then like looking at, I'm sure that, and they look at trailers and things now and they're like, that's kind of like our sound. Right, they pull out their phone and <laughs> you know? they're taking notes. And it's like, well, I mean, but it doesn't take away from their creativity. I mean, actually, we I was in a meeting with them recently and we were just discussing um, that there is creativity in how you make something more emotional um, and how you arrange it. Um, you still have all the creativity of, your ho- of what you were going after, what you're trying to... T- you know, your point of view mm-hmm. um, as an artist, your instrumentation, how you're playing, everything. But it's just that now you're looking at it towards a few different different um, marks that you're, you're trying to hit, you know. I was moderating a panel at the Hawaii Music Festival last summer. Mm-hmm. It was a panel full of music supervisors, maybe a library owner or two in there, and we all heard a piece of music that was an obvious smash mm. um actually you know what it was a taxi member named callie J who was at oh, the yeah. red Rock. love her yeah she's amazing <laughs> she's awesome um and, and one of the panelists said did you write that for sync mm-hmm. or did you just write it yeah and i think her answer was i just wrote it mm-hmm. but I think that there's a certain amount that gets absorbed somebody that makes that connection to oh my stuff would work for sync yeah they start Gathering stuff by through osmosis, whether they do it by intent or right. just by accidental right. osmosis, and their stuff just comes out better for sync, right? Because of that, right. and I see that as a good thing. I, yeah. I don't think she sacrifices one iota as an artist, right. but her stuff is extremely syncable. Very, yes. Yeah. Um, we've got 15 minutes left. Do you want to do a little Q and A? Sure. All right. I'm going to let you guys know if you've got questions, start typing them in now. I know there's a little delay and I will ask Elise one more question while you guys are giving up your questions. Um, artist to brand. Mm-hmm. Honestly, 
I don't think I've ever heard that phrase. I understand really? what yeah. it means. Yeah. I've just never heard anybody uh-huh. call it that. Can you explain what it is and what makes somebody? I mean, it's pretty close to what we were just talking about, but now it's specifically for a brand. So yeah. Well, I mean, brands are always doing research and, you know, they're trying to target their demographic or they want a new demographic. Um, so they are, and that's their identity. Whatever music they choose is what they are perceived as, right? Right. So um, if a old traditional or even, you know, historic kind of a banking um, brand wants a new young demographic, they may, you know, move, they may need to move to, you know, a, a more stomp and clap, you know, or or God only knows, whatever, you know, uh, band of horses or, you know, something um, that speaks to, and maybe not that band, but um, that speaks to a younger demographic. And um, so also like say, I can't think of um, what's Beyonce's, um, she's done some major artist brand things, Um, you know, having a specific genre that is um rep that you that represents your brand is like a big really big deal um it's it's getting a, especially of course with celebrity right you know yeah you're um, getting the celebrity the the like the long tail is celebrity pulling in those people oh beyonce does the music for that so therefore right. I should, the, the subtle you know i should like it too right but then even like because i get asked all the time you know for brands for emerging artists yeah and um and in that case again it has to be really high quality um for advertising period it songs need to be um, especially when it's going to be the artist that mm-hmm. is representing that. They just have to have a really great <laughs> production and, and great song and great, you know, sound. That said, yeah. people hear the word great words, great production. They think, oh, great engineering, great mix, which is all a part of it. And, yeah. and then I hear some stuff that's extremely lo-fi. It right, sounds like it right. was done into the built-in mic on your Mac laptop. But, but it's it, still great for that right, genre. Exactly. It doesn't mean clean or, it means, or hi-fi. Uh, you know, it or, means uh, great and right. Yeah, in, that jo- in <laughs> right. relation to that genre. It's not necessarily sonic. It's a sonic quality. It's right. not sonic quality (laughs) right it's true to that genre right or it would be and you know i also i should say though that even though we talk a lot about being true to the genre and being able to replace and get really close to the reference it's still that the bottom line is it it's it's you the artist Mm -hmm. that is got to do your thing and then you know and then you just hone it uh to like for instance it would be great if you learned, you know, you knew that you, you know, there's a certain production style that you do really well, and you know all the different ways that that could happen, and then you choose to go a different way, mm-hmm. but you're taking from all of that, and maybe you're you're doing something slightly cooler than that, or slightly different, um, but you but you could feel from the music that you already acknowledged that production style. You've got to you have. 
I hate to bring up Kobe again, but this is yeah. out of respect. Yeah. People described his, you know, his uh, Mamba attitude, yeah. his obsessiveness with um, being competitive and mm -hmm. winning and perfecting his game. You've got to be that person. Yeah. This is why I can imagine you being really good at this because mm -hmm. you won't be happy until you're happy. Right. And right. so the bands, even though they've got their own identity and, and mm -hmm. their own sound and everything, once they enter this world, they've got to look to elevate it at all yeah. times like how can we take this to a next level mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. accidents don't happen all that often mm, yeah. they, <laughs> Some, happen, they do it's just <laughs> they're fewer and farther between yeah. i like yeah. to cause my accidents <laughs> all right got some questions for us um let's see did you get anything down ari yeah. lay one on me because i don't so know. this is from paul house okay do you mean that the feeling should be the same throughout the trailer because we write in the dark not knowing how the trailer will twist and turn? So Paul House wants to know, hey, Paul, how are you, man? Yeah, that's um, a really good question. Yeah, he's in the UK and he wants to know, do you write this the same way all the way through, the same motion all the way through the trailer? Or how do you know if you're writing without seeing picture if um, it's going to line up with yeah, the ultimate emotion? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you map it out a bit in terms of, you know, generality, you know, and uh, however you normally do in terms of, say, your first act or is inquisitive or, you know, I don't know for your own specific, I think that you have to come up with it yourself. I think you make a decision. I'm going to do five tracks that are, um, um, maybe they start inquisitive and then they go to uh, a more, um, powerful, you know, place. And then I don't, I think that you, it's you mapping out your emotions more, you know, um, yeah. I think that you do. That's the only way any, I think, you know, I have some trailer uh, composers and we talk about this a lot and it's just like, you have to go with what you feel and um, it could be a slightly different, it, it's got to make sense all the parts you know, in terms of uh, the emotion. Uh, I don't know, am I not saying this? No, uh, it, it makes sense. No, you're, you're making sense because yeah. I know that there are some really good videos on YouTube, a um, couple of them done by taxi members on how uh -huh. to compose trailer music, uh -huh. but they're very, they're technical or musically yeah. technical, not engineering technical. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're saying is, I, certain genres of trailers have things in common, so you yeah. should know what those are. So when right. you sit down, your sound has to permeate from beginning to end, but there's always going to be, or most of the time, going to be an introduction. Yeah. The second act is more explanatory, like right. here's the setup of the plot, but we're not right. giving the whole thing away. Right. And here's the part that makes you go, holy crap, i got to see that movie. Yeah. Um, so if you can take your central emotion and your sound and apply yeah. it to those the thing that you're creating that yeah. you, the thing that you're feeling and then take it you know these different places i mean i recently i was talking to somebody about they had written something and it had the sound to me when i was listening to it of like a bunch of like locusts like going crazy mm -hmm. or something and um um and i felt like wow, that's really cool. It almost makes me feel like, you know, um, it's this little bit of a warfare going on. And then it, it could be, maybe you go to even a farther place and then you, you know, you, you're now just looking back at each other or something. It's, it's really you 
I don't know, creating your mini stories and then being so into them and, and so connected to them that somebody else will be, you know, the trailer right. houses. The, the right time and the <laughs> right know? day for the right scenario. Because yeah, it's you, being you, so connected to what you're doing. Yeah, you um, can't write in the blind and just pitch it to people and say, here you go. Or they might love it, but they're going to have to put it on a shelf until the day something walks in the door where they and go, fits. I and got fits the perfect it. thing right. for that. Yeah. Right. So what you can give is the, this kind of emotion that friggin scares me so much. I'm so scared by this. And then you have the scary thing yeah. or, you know, or you have the, oh my God. I mean, my, I feel like crying. I have like, I yeah. so feel like crying from the sound of this. It's so deep, you know, um, it's, you know, either it going more with it or backing off from it or however it works for you. I don't know. I don't know. I was once engineering a big string date. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a cellist named Angus. And I can't remember, I can't believe I remember the guy's name from 35, 40 years ago. Yeah. But I remember that in the middle of the take, he started whacking his um, bow on his instrument. Uh -huh. And he made everybody stop. He called, you know, uh, whatever, you know, cut <laughs> on the take. And everybody looked at him. And he was an older, like, Swiss gentleman, probably. 70 at the time mm -hmm. and he stood up turned around looked at all the other players on the date and said there is enough mediocrity in the world we don't need to contribute to it and that has stuck with me my entire right? career yeah. that's just one of those moments he was so right mm -hmm. so by just you know your friends and family walk into the room and they hear your pretty string arrangements yeah. they don't know that your bowing isn't right they mm -hmm. don't know right, that right. all those little details that make something sound amazing mm -hmm are not right they hear the overall thing and they are not the standard they're mm -hmm. not the people at the trailer house right it's your family or your friends so remember angus slamming his bow into his instrument screaming yeah. there's enough mediocrity in the world i don't know if that answered the emotion you know staying with an emotion but well, i think it, it i thought it did i think it's like you're it's where your emo, where the emotion takes you as the right you know where are you trying to go with it you know it, it is dictated but make it yeah. You've got to do it better than somebody did right. it two years right. ago. Right, right. I mean, a trailer house told uh, me recently yeah. that, um, and, and I think I've said this earlier, but it's really, and I totally get this, that every second in a trailer queue really has to be there for, a like, a reason. It has to go with the rest of it. It has to make sense. You're not just throwing a hit in there because people throw hits and go, Dun, 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 right? Before, you know, yeah. it's like, no, <laughs> you know, don't put that there. If that's not what your emotion is calling for, do the thing that makes sense to what your emotion is doing. And yes, of course, you're going to want, you know, some bombastic things in trailers and all that. That goes without saying, but, you know, it's a lot of things all together. It's again, you're, you're trying to, you know, evoke emotion. Got another question? <laughs> um, this is from Edmund Red. Oh, cool. Hi, is, Edmund. Is Sonic branding really back? It feels like it was inexistent for the past few years, but it seems like it's coming back. It Yes. Is Sonic branding coming is back? Is Sonic branding coming back? Um, from what I understand, and some of my ex-clients who've been coming to me again, um, it's back in full force, actually, more than it ever was. Um, more outlets for it now. There's more outlets. Uh, 
it's easier to create sonics with all the different kinds of you know equipment we all have um and yeah i definitely think it's back in full force and it is about understanding i think the history of it a little and then you know being on the forefront of it now would be a great a great time next question please paul Curteau. hello paulie when you screen new music from prospective writers do you listen to the entire track or do you poke around and move on quickly um it depends <laughs> um it depends um when I'm listening to it in relation to a search, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I I will poke around more um, because um, I know what things it has to hit. You know, there are certain things, elements that it has to have. And so if I can see right away, oh my God, this is nowhere near the kind of uh, quality or the production style is so off or, you know, whatever. So you know that in five seconds right. or less at the top. Right. But let's say that you do hear something that you go, there's hope here. Yeah. Are, are you a waveform examiner where you look and go, ah, I see edit points or I yeah. see hits? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> There's a little of all of that. Yeah. But I think um, there are times when something's so right in one area um, and it was so wrong in another that, I mean, I will comment and say I, I feel like this could so be right. And this is the, you know, these are the kind of things that could happen yeah. to make it. Um, better but yes yeah, some I think when I'm deciding whether I'm gonna represent a writer or an artist I listen to everything I immerse myself in their music um, by the way you and I I believe have a friend in common Julia Trainer. oh yeah uh, she awesome. is one of my top three favorite panelists that I've ever had yeah. at the Red Rail I think She's I've so had her great. two or three times she's so good on a microphone on stage yeah. Yeah. I haven't talked to her in probably three years. I need to get her back on. Yeah, that. for sure. She's doing some great stuff still. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. She's just... Known her for, I've known her also for quite a few years. Yeah. I've only known her for probably 10. Yeah. But I just remember the first time I had her on, I think, I want to say, um, what's the name of the composer, video game composer, Wall. Uh, oh. I can't think of his first name. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll remember. Anyway, I had yeah. the two of them on, yeah. and I just sat there with, <laughs> with my jaw hanging down going, yeah. I could just shut up and just let the two of them talk because yeah. so much gold is dripping from yeah. these two mouths that I should stay out of the way. Yeah. They were amazing. Yeah, yeah, All right, one awesome. more question. All right, so Mojo and Marion Laird have been sort of going back and forth about how... Um, a track should build from section to section mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. whether that means really like adding instruments along the way or how intensity builds if you could maybe um, section off a structure to that so just in case you guys couldn't hear our Yana because she's on the backside of the microphone um, two of the people in the chat room Mojo Bone and okay. Marion Laird have been going back and forth on what constitutes and defines a build in a track yeah, yeah. um I think that you can get build in a lot of ways. I mean, you can even get build if you say, well, starting with less and uh, less of your elements. And um, you can even get build from, depending on what kind of genre you're in. I, you know, if say you were in an electronic genre, I can speak of that or, or even uh, 
maybe not even an electronic, but I'll, I'll just stay with that for a minute. Like for instance, giving on a, a reverb even, using a reverb or a, or a delay in a certain way that gives it a little more space the second time it comes around, gives it a little more rhythmic push, um, then adding a very, maybe a light, um, thin, uh, rhythmic sequenced component, but it doesn't even have to be like a major, uh, you know, major sound that takes over a lot of space. It could just be like a pulse that, you know, is very thin and, and minimal. It's just so it's always moving forward um, and building, you know. Um, so in songs, you know, you're, you want it, you want to, uh, the chorus to just be, you know, the, a very big, huge lifting, yeah. liftoff place. Um, um, what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I, I completely yeah. agree with everything you said, and mm -hmm. I'm, I wanted to add something to that. Yeah. When you were talking, I thought it was interesting and good that you mentioned bringing in something like a pulsing thing that's thin because yeah. you want it to be a hint that's almost mm -hmm. felt more than it's heard or acknowledged, right. Right. but yet if you take it out, you feel something's missing. You put it back in, you go, ah. But if you featured it, you'd go, ooh. Yeah, ooh, it's too much in the way. <laughs> yeah. Or it's taking over and it's too linear. You just yeah. don't want to be linear. You want to keep building things that are subtle. I mean, this is just for from an instrumental point of view now, I'm, mm. I'm talking. Um, in terms of, and transitions are so important. You know, even creating one transition going into a bigger section and then creating a bigger transition going into a bigger section later you know you're always evolving basically and you can do it even with the smallest elements um and then going up to you know a range of bigger elements i don't know if you've had as much fun today as <laughs> i have I'm i am not... totally digging this <laughs> i have loved having you on the show will you come yeah. back in like absolutely, a month or so absolutely i want to ask these guys if you guys could do me a favor right now because well the show it'll take like five minutes to process or whatever they call it um once it's up and you can go down to the comment section below the video or if you're watching the archive later Go into the comments section and give us more of these questions. And the next time I have Elise back, we'll answer those questions right oh, at the great. start of the show. That sounds great. That way we'll we'll have some fresh right at the top. Um, I also want to mention the next week's show, we're going to have um, Joe Brandt back, who did great episode last week on doing meta tags. Uh, oh, we're going to do an episode next week called, How Would You Tag This Music? And oh, we're cool yeah, that? we're gonna have you guys that. send in some music uh, that's stumping you, or maybe you could stump him or me. Uh, we've already joked about this that we don't think we'll come up with the same tags. But uh, how would you tag this music on next week's show? Anyway, um, Elise, thank you. Yeah, thank you, were, you so much. Oh, I love that was really fun. Was I really can't fun. wait to have you back. Okay, you guys, thanks for watching. Yeah. Um, see you in a week when we come back for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! <laughs> Bye, you guys. Bye.